Happy Sabbath. I love um, Sabbath, and I am very excited to be worshiping here this morning. And um, Sabbath is such a cool time because God says it's the one time he gets to sit and connect with us the whole day. I mean, throughout the week, we often talk to God in prayer in our busy days, but Sabbath, he says, hey, I'm going to set aside this whole day for us, right? I absolutely love that. So I'm glad to be here with you this morning. Glad that you are here. Um, Let's have a word of prayer before we open the word this morning. Heavenly Father, God, thank you for being here, for taking the day aside with us. And God, I pray as we look into your word that your Holy Spirit would just communicate what needs to be communicated. Hide me behind the cross, God. And um, yeah, thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I'm going to tell you one of my favorite stories in the Bible. It was noisy. There was dust from feet of people walking on this path. Um, there, there was a huge crowd leaving Jericho. And Jesus was among the crowd. And also, I imagine, as I, as I look at this story, there's kids running to and fro. There's um, people debating loudly. There's the quiet ones just walking. But it was a large crowd. Have you experienced those? The extroverts are like, yes, we have. The introverts shudder. Like, oh, yeah, a large crowd, right? Um, and there's also naysayers in the crowd, those who were... Who are the scribes of the Pharisees watching Jesus every move? And Jesus was there, and his disciples were surrounding him as they were walking. And as Jesus was walking on this particular time from Jericho to Jerusalem, there was a lot on his mind. It was his last little bit here on earth. And and he was headed to Jerusalem, and his mission was almost accomplished. He was heading to the cross. He had the weight of the world's salvation on his shoulders, and he was about to save humanity from this controversy that started so long ago in heaven. He was about to defeat Satan. He was headed to the cross. There was a lot on his mind as he was walking. And so I see this large crowd, and then also there was this man named Bartimaeus sitting by the side of the road. And this story comes from Mark chapter 10, if you want to follow along. Mark 10, 46. And, and that's, the, that's the scripture we're going to look at. But right before that, in verse 32, Jesus pulls his disciples aside. And he says to them, for the third time, he says, hey, some stuff is going to happen. I am going to head into Jerusalem. I'm going to be delivered to the chief priests and the Pharisees and then the Gentile, and then handed over to the Gentiles and condemned to death. And he's telling his disciples this. They will mock me. They will spit on me. They will kill me. And then three days later, I'm going to rise again. So don't worry, he tells his disciples. They didn't get it. The disciples we see don't understand what Jesus is telling them about. So this is the picture we see. And the guy, we mentioned Bartimaeus, It was a normal day for him. His friends perhaps led him to this populated area to sit and to beg because he was blind. And we don't know how Bartimaeus became blind, but as he was sitting there, he heard this larger crowd coming by and he says, hey, what's going on? Who's coming, right? What's happening? And finally someone from the crowd says, it's Jesus, the Nazarene. And and he says, Jesus? The Messiah? 
And out of nowhere, he calls out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. The people around them look shocked, and they say, shh, quiet down, Bartimaeus. You're embarrassing yourself. They say, they say you're just, you're, you're um, not, he's not wanting to talk to you. Be quiet, right? The Bible actually says that they sternly told him to be quiet. But what does Bartimaeus do? He shouts out all the more, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. He had nothing to lose, and he was not going to lose his chance. And guess what? Jesus stops, right? And you start looking at the stories in the Bible when Jesus stops, big things follow, right? Big things follow. God takes the time for us when we call out to him. And sometimes you may think that God has bigger things on his mind, and he did. If if any point in time, Jesus did right then, right? But Jesus stopped. And he calls Bartimaeus there. He says, Jesus says, call him to me. So the people who are just telling him to be quiet, they say, take courage, man. Stand up. He's, He's calling for you. And so Bartimaeus throws his cloak, he jumps up, and he comes to Jesus. There he is, the blind man standing in front of the Messiah. And Bartimaeus can't see Jesus, but he believes what he's heard about him. He believes that the miracles, and he believes that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And Jesus asks him a question. The question is, what do you want me to do for you? But he asked, what do you want me to do for you? And the blind man, the Bible says, said to him, Rabbi, I want to see. Now, is that a little request or is that a big request? Is that a little request or a big request to see? It's huge, right? It was a big request of asking of God. He goes, just like that, I want to see. And um, <laughs> sight. Sight is important. The, the, the man, blind Bartimaeus, could have asked for food, for money. He, he could have asked for a house. He could have asked for a lot of different things, but he asked for sight. He asked a big thing of Jesus. Now, sight is important to us. It's one of our senses and, and a heavily used one at that. And unless you've had eye trouble or you can't see, it's hard to understand not being able to see, right? And I'm going to share with you a story where sight was taken from me, and in light of that, God, God showed me a huge, a huge thing. I'm going to share, share with you right now. Um, it started at the base of a peak in Colorado, and one of my friends asked a while back, hey, Lindsay, do you want to summit all the high points in the States? And I said, hey, sure, that sounds fun. Why not? And um, so some of them, you drive, you literally drive through cornfields, and then you walk up this thing, and you're like, oh, I'm here. Like, just like that. But some of the more mountainous um, hikes are huge. They're big hikes in the more mountainous states. And so many of you, so some of you may have hiked Mount Whitney, which is the tallest peak in our, in our lower 48. Um, it's over, just over 14,500 feet. It's a beautiful hike, big summit. But this peak is the one in Colorado, just a little bit short of Whitney. It's, it's 14,439 feet above sea level. And... And it is a big, it's a big mountain. And to put it in perspective for 14,000 feet, 
um, airplanes at 12,500 are required to carry oxygen, right? And at 14,000 feet, pilots are required to have oxygen while they're flying, use oxygen while they're flying. So my two friends and I, we made our plans, we flew to Colorado, we hit the base of the mountain, and we were ready for the hike. We got up early, early, early that morning. It was bright and early. The forecast was beautiful, sunny day, which is usually a terrific time to hike when it's sunny, right? Clouds, not a cloud in the sky. Our backpacks were ready. We were packed. It was late spring, early summer, and there was quite a bit of snow still on the ground. So we had a grueling day of hiking and then a lot of snowshoeing as well ahead of us. So we were there at the trailhead, and one thing was wrong. I couldn't find my sunglasses. It's like, oh no. We searched the whole car. We searched my whole pack. And looking back, probably should have driven out, found some sunglasses and come back. But that would have risked not summiting, perhaps. So I said, hey, I'm fine. Let's just go. We'll go up. So we got about two hours in. We're hiking. The ground is covered in snow. We throw our snowshoes on and we just keep trudging up, up, up. We continue a slow pace. The air got thinner. And I still had no eye protection, and the sun was beautiful and bright. Um, as we're going through the snow, it's also it's the sun now coming down, as well as the glare coming back at my eyes, preparing for a not good situation. <laughs> and finally, we made it to the top. Hours in, it was past midday. We summited. We made it up there. And it was spectacular. If you ever have time to summit a peak, it is, you're on top of the world. It's gorgeous. Do it. So, so amazing. But as you can see, I still have no eye protection right there. And um, we got to the summit. We ate a snack. We said, caught our breath, and we started heading back down. Now, on the way down, the descent, we were hoping it was going to be quicker. But because of the sun, the snow actually had slushed quite a bit. And every single step, even with snowshoes on, we sunk in. It took us a long time to get down, much longer than we anticipated. So we were out in the sun about 10 hours. And um, on the, the last few hours of the trip, something wasn't right with my eyes. I said, ah, oh, they're starting to hurt. Right, So we're headed down and starting to hurt. When we got to the car, thankfully we made it to the car, I said, guys, my eyes feel very weird. Something's weird. And as we were driving away from the mountain, I remember looking at the range at the peak, and it was foggy, and then it started going more and more foggy. I could see less and less and less until I was like to my friends, guys, I can't see. I really can't see at all. And that night, as you may guess, be guessing, the medical professionals said, Lindsay, you're snow blind. Snow blind. We don't know the extent of the damage yet, but, or how much sight you will regain or lose, we're not sure, but your eyeballs are badly burned and blistered. It was painful, guys. It was very painful, like sandpaper. And um, they got set up in a bed, and there's drops they put in, which hurt, they put ointment on my eyes, scarf around, and I was laying there in bed. And, um, oh, my friends are very awesome friends, so they set up my phone, and they said, hey, we'll set your phone up, you can just talk. You, how many of you guys are friends with Siri? Anyone? I am not friends with Siri. 
<laughs> and um, they set it up so it was just voice command, right? And so, so I was like, okay, let me grab my phone. Let me, let me try using it. I was like, hey, Siri, how may I help you, Lindsay? Text mom getting directions to Texas. And I was like, come on. And I tried it a few times. Nothing worked. So I turned my phone off. I set it aside. And I said, let me start talking to someone who will listen to me. And I said, Father God. (laughs) Started praying. Father God, please, I will do anything to see again. And I was asking something big of God. And I started negotiating with him. I said, God, what do you want from me? I will do anything. Do you want me to be more patient? I'll read the Bible as much as you want. What do you want, God? I will volunteer more. Do anything you want. What do you want? I want to see again. And God, as he often does, (laughs) says, Lindsay, Lindsay, (laughs) that's not how I operate. That's not how I work. He says, what do you want me to do for you? God says that to me. Not the other way around. As a matter of fact, Matthew 7.11 says, If you even a a sinful human being know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good gifts to you? I have a two-year-old. Her name's Ellie. Um, She loves gifts. And me, even a simple parent, I know what gifts will light up her, her eyes. And you guys know as parents what gifts your kids love, right? And we, being sinful, know how to give those gifts. How much more God, right? How much more God? And um, we, God wants to give us those huge things. He wants to give us what we ask for. So church, ask big. I mean, ask big of God. And God is better than the best father ever on earth. So how often I wait, I wait till I need something or I wait until I, I think that God can, cannot use my help <laughs> in, my, in my lack of trust in him. But he says, hey, ask me, ask me big things. So jumping back to our story, Mark 10, 51, Jesus asks Bartimaeus, what do you want me to do for you? And the blind man says, Rabbi, I want to see. It's a big request. He asks big. And and Jesus says, go, your faith has made you well. Bam. Immediately, he can see. He regains his sight. And he begins following Jesus on the road. And let me tell you, to be able to see again, I was blind for three days, completely blind. And my sight started to restore within the next few weeks. It's amazing. But for Bartimaeus... Imagine being blind for a lot longer, your whole life, or years and years and years, and then being able to see again. Whew. Amazing. There's this quote that Ellen White has in, about Bartimaeus, and she says, His, Bartimaeus' preserving faith is rewarded, not only in physical sight restored, but in the eyes of his understanding are open. In Christ, he sees the Redeemer, and the Son of Righteousness shines into his soul. All who feel their need of Christ, as did blind Bartimaeus, and who will be as earnest and determined as he was, will, like him, receive the blessing with which they crave. Awesome, right? Awesome. Ask big of God. Ask big of God. 
Now, there's a fascinating passage that surrounds the story of this blind man in Mark chapter 10. And we don't have to dig into the whole passage. You can read all of 10 um, later. It's like snapshots of these cool stories. But I want to show you one more passage, and it's right before the story of Bartimaeus. So, so Jesus told his disciples about his death and resurrection. And then right after that conversation, before the healing of Bartimaeus, in Mark 10.35, it says, James and John, the two sons of Zebedee, those are two of Jesus' disciples, came up to Jesus saying, Teacher, we want you to do for us whatever we ask. And Jesus said to them, What do you want me to do for you? Familiar question? We just heard it from Bartimaeus before. Just the same exact thing. What do you want me to do for you? And uh, continuing Mark 37, they said, Grant that we may sit one on your right and one on your left in your glory. Is that another big request of Jesus? Yeah. They're asking to sit in heaven with him on his right side and his left side to be his right and left men in, in his glory, right, in heaven. And Jesus says to James and John, you don't know what you're asking. Um, that's for the Father to decide. And, uh, and the point remains, though, that they asked big of God. And you want to know something cool? God gives us the answer to their question. We get, we get, we get to know before they do. In Revelation 3.21, Jesus says, those who overcome get to what? Sit on God's throne. James and John get their request they get to sit there. Bartimaeus got his big request. My eyesight was restored thanks to Jesus. James and John will get their request. When, when we overcome, we'll get the request to sit by him. So what about us? What do you want Jesus to do for you today? What do you need from God? What is it? What's your big ask of God? Now, do you need forgiveness? Do you need peace? Do you need assurance? Is there something financial that you're asking for? Do you need guidance or comfort or leading in a relationship or direction? Do you need the Holy Spirit? What do you need from God? Ask him big. God has gifts to give. Take him at his word. Ask him. Do you have friends or family who need intercession, need you to pray on their behalf? What is it that you want to ask God big today? It takes faith. It'll take faith on our part to believe when we ask. It takes faith. It takes boldness. But God encourages us, ask big. Ask big things of him. Now in your bulletin, there is a connect card that Pastor Rodley shared with us earlier. And uh, it looks like this. If you filled it out, there's a few steps you can take um, next. One is, I have a prayer request of God, and I want others to pray for it too. Our team will pray for that prayer request if you write it right there and slip it in the, in the offering box. We'll pray for your big request of God. Next says, I commit to praying for the big thing in my life every day this week. If it's something you don't want to share, you can click that, and we'll pray for your anonymous prayer request as well. And the third option is my desire to mentor someone in my area of influence. If you've experienced God's miracle when you've asked something big in your life, hey, show someone else. Take someone alongside you who's not seen God do that in their life and share it with them. Share it with them. Make that commitment to do. Those are the three things. And when, 
when we ask big things of God, expect him to answer. Because he does. Like Bartimaeus, like James and John, expect him to answer. So um, there's also a few other things. If you're interested in Bible studies or baptism, you can, you can click on those, check on those and click it and put it in the offering box. But we're going, if you don't have a card, raise your hand and an usher will, will get one to you if you're missing, you need one of these. Go ahead and raise your hand. So I'd invite the, the deacons and deaconesses to please stand as we collect the, uh, the connect cards and tithes and offerings.
Father God, help us to ask big of you. God, let us not bow down. Let us have the courage to stand and ask you, to call out to you. Because God, we know you want to answer. Thank you for that, Father. Go with us now, the rest of the day, the rest of the week, with your Holy Spirit leading and guiding, God. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.